All right, as we take up our offering today, if you have a paper offering, there is a black box at the back of the room that says give on it. You can drop your physical paper offering there. Otherwise, there are electronic ways you can give that are up there on the screen. You can head over to our website, meadowbrook.ca. There's a big button there that says give that will lead you there. God bless you as you give this morning. And you can grab your Bible, your tablet, your device, your phone, and turn with me to Isaiah 55. We'll be in Isaiah 55 today. And we want to say a big thank you for everyone who participated last Sunday. Uh, we had our Baptism Sunday, which is always an awesome time of celebration as we celebrate everything that God is doing in people's lives. We had five uh, kids get baptized last Sunday, which was awesome. A number more welcomed into membership, which was amazing. And then we had a wonderful barbecue out back and just had a great time hanging out as a church family and spending time together. So thank you for all of you who participated. Thank you for those who participated in serving beforehand to put the barbecue together. Uh, those who gave up your Saturday and gave up much of your Sunday in order to do that to serve us, thank you so much for that. And we wanted to let you know that we were fundraising with this barbecue. So Samdi and his family uh, are gone, right? They are on their way. Uh, they left this past week to go to Thailand. So they have not arrived there in the fullness yet. I have not heard, right? It takes a couple days to get there. Uh, so they're going to be getting there probably uh, tomorrow-ish. Um, but as they have been going out, uh, we were raising money to finish off the expenses of his trip. So as of last Sunday, he needed a few thousand dollars yet. And so we were hoping to raise that. Anything above and beyond those few thousand dollars was going to go to our Moose Point uh, missions trip that we're putting together, a work trip that's going to head up there in August. So very happy to say that we were able to raise $10,400 last week, which is phenomenal. So... Somni is more than covered. That is a huge amount that can go towards the building project. So thank you so much for giving to that. That is such an exciting and beautiful thing. And so uh, with Somni's uh, thanks, he is on his way, and we can be praying for him and his family while they are there. Uh, they're going to be there for the next number of weeks, and we can pray for the ministry that's going to happen there. He'll be sending us updates along the way. If you follow Somni on social media, he's pretty good about posting stuff there as well. So you can follow along there, and we'll let you know news as we hear it as well. All right, we're in Isaiah 55, and uh, as we get ready to go here at Meadowbrook Church, we are helping people take their next steps with Jesus. Wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, we want to help you take those next steps, whether you've walked with Jesus for a long time, whether you're getting to know him still, whether you're here and you're just curious and you're just checking things out and you're not sure about Jesus, we're here to help you take your next steps. We focus on that primarily in three ways, upward, inward, and outward. We want to take our next steps upwardly and our connection with him. Him, our relationship with him, our understanding, our knowledge of him. We want to take our next steps inwardly as he does his work within us to transform us, to make us more like Jesus. And we want to take our next steps outwardly as we live out our faith, as we engage with other people, as we share the gospel here in Leamington, as we participate, even in things like the gospel going to Thailand right now through Samdi and his family, as the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. And as we head into uh, summer now, we wrapped up our Freedom Gospel series. Series. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had baptism last Sunday. As we head into summer, we don't usually do sermon series in the summer, and, uh, and I have a few Sundays left before my time here is done, and so we're just doing one-offs for the next number of weeks, and so it is not a, a formal series. Uh, for me as a pastor, I'm just saying, all right, Lord, what do you have for Meadowbrook this week? What's important for us to hear together as we engage in the Word together? Uh, July 23rd will be my last Sunday. I won't be here next Sunday. Uh, we were supposed to have some holidays booked at the beginning 
beginning of July, and then just as the circumstances changed, uh, we delayed those holidays, but we had a family thing next Sunday that we didn't want to miss. And so I won't be here next Sunday, and I just give you a heads up, so if you arrive next Sunday, I'm not here, you don't go, whoa, we missed it, Chris is gone. Uh, I still have some Sundays after that as well. So we'll have Lowell uh, preaching next week. He's got a good word in his heart from the Lord, which we're excited to hear, and, uh, and then I will be back for a couple more Sundays after that. So as we get ready to jump into Isaiah 55, um, when I was born uh, many, many years ago, uh, I was the firstborn uh, on the one side of my family, the first grandchild for the grandparents on my mom's side. And so uh, as I was born, uh, you know, grandparents get different names, right? Grandma and grandpa or Nana and Papa or Oma and Opa or, or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, whatever the first grandchild kind of lands on is usually what it becomes, right, for all the other grandkids. And so uh, as I was introduced to my grandparents on my mom's side as Grandma and Gramps. That were, that were the names that they liked and that were the names that they had chosen. So Grandma and Gramps uh, was how I got to know them. But as I was learning how to talk and as I was growing up a little bit, um, I guess I stumbled on the grandma word a little bit, and my grandma's name was Jean. Everybody called her Jean, and everyone around her was calling her Jean all the time. So for me and my grandma, apparently in my little brain, I took the word Jean and the word grandma, and I started calling her Jima. And so Jima became the name that we called, and it became spelled that way. Uh, so she didn't get called Grandma anymore. She got called Jima. Sidebar, how cute am I in this picture? <laughs> So grandma became Jima, and that's actually a name that my mom wanted to be called when we had our kids, and she said she wanted to honor her mom by taking that name Jima, and so my mom is now Jima to my kids and to my brother's kids as well. So kids do that, right? You sometimes kind of create words or, or create things along the way. Uh, so, so this part of the body right here that I'm pointing at is what? Your eyebrow, right? Your eyebrow is there. It protects your eyes from moisture that comes down. So when I was a little toddler, I decided that they should be called eyebrellas. <laughs> which is a better name, I think, right? Isn't that more appropriate? Doesn't that look like the perfect name? Like if you were creating it from scratch, that's a great name. Also, another classic one when I was little, uh, there's a big, long, skinny bug that has big, translucent wings that kind of hovers around. We call that what? Dragonfly, right. Well, I didn't like the name Dragonfly, apparently. May I suggest the name Bugzocopters? <laughs> Which, again, isn't that a perfect name? Like, isn't that, doesn't that just nail it? So, first things first, yes, I was adorable as a child. Um, but there's something cute in kids where they're learning about the world and they're, they're hungry to learn about the world and they are, are trying to figure out the world and kids learn more and they grow and they, they experience truth and they experience knowledge and they grow in their understanding and all of these things. But when we're little, when we're in that toddler zone, we're still in the learning phase. Last night, my wife and I uh, hung out with Frank and Nettie uh, here at our church and they just have a little guy who's about to head into junior high. Uh, and I, I just had such a good time with them last night and just watching him because he's in that zone where he's just curious about everything and asking questions about everything. What's the most common question little kids ask? Why? 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 So we were hanging out last night after dinner. We're outside, right? It was such a hot day and then it was starting to cool off a little bit. There were some clouds in the sky. Uh, and so the, the little guy just said, oh, uh, mama, it's getting dark outside. And she said, yeah, the sun's going down and there's some clouds. Why? Well, because Jesus gave us clouds. Why? 
Well, because it's so hot that it's nice to have a break from the sun. Why? Well, that's just the way it's designed. Why? And I'm like, oh, I miss that stage. And it's frustrating <laughs> a little bit. Because sometimes the why is impossible, right? Like, what's that? That's a dog. Why? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm out of information at that point. But why? There's a, a beautiful, amazing curiosity that says, I want to learn more. I want to understand more. I want to understand the world. I want to understand how the clouds work. I, I want to learn more. And it's this beautiful picture of what the Bible calls childlike faith. That we are to be like that in certain ways, not childish. We don't want to be immature. We don't want to throw temper tantrums. We don't want to be people who, you know, are seeking knowledge but acting in an immature way. But we are to be childlike where we are always seeking more. We want to know God better. We want to understand his word better. We want to be closer to him. We want to know more about him. We will never figure out all of it, but we want to be in this journey of seeking more and always looking for more and ultimately finding ourselves in him. The other beautiful part about children is that as much as they ask why, they are also unbelievably trusting, right? They trust in a perfect world. They trust their parents. They trust that, that it's there. That when my kids would ask me why a million times a day, I didn't always have an answer that I could give them, but they trusted me anyway. It was okay. They weren't freaking out because dad didn't know why a brontosaurus was called a brontosaurus. They, they trusted that everything was going to be all right. So there's something childlike where we are hungry and seeking more, and yet also childlike when we are kept perfectly in trust in who our God is. And so let's take a look at our text. We're in Isaiah 55. We'll explore some of these ideas today. Isaiah 55. This is the Lord speaking in the first person. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the people's. A ruler and commander of the people. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. To our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Amen. 
Lots of gold in there. Some verses in there that you're probably familiar with. It is, it is a, a promise given to Israel. And it is something that is an encouragement and a strength to Israel that spills over to us who follow after Jesus because in Jesus we have been invited into the family of God. So as God starts off speaking in the first person, verses 1 and 2, there's an invitation that is sent out. Come if you're thirsty. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You who have no money, doesn't matter. Come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread, your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. And so there's some poetry going on in this, as there often is uh, in the Old Testament and in the prophets, but there is this invitation that God sends out that says, come to me, come to me. And the picture of you don't need any money to come to me. You don't need to to worry. If you're thirsty, come, and I will fill that thirst. If you're hungry, come, and I will fill that void. If you don't have any money, doesn't matter. Come to me. There's an invitation not to a a religion, not to a, a specific church building or a specific denomination, but there's an invitation. He says, come to me for everything that you need. And where we often look at, you know, the promises of God of, well, there's good things in there for us. We're promised blessing, right? There's blessing offered and available to us, and that is good, and that is true. But the promise and the call of God is ultimately come to me, come to him, come to him. And, and that void, that hole, that, that, that deep thing within will be filled. God says, come to me. Jesus would echo these words about himself in John chapter 7. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. That there is a natural thirst, right? Yesterday was a hot day. We went down to the marina. There was the uh, art at the marina festival going on. So we went down in the morning and then there's all this like fair food. So there's, you know, pretzels and nachos and all these things. And so we have a snack and in the heat and in the snack and all the salt, you are thirsty at the end of that. And we all wanted to come back to the house and get in the air conditioning and drink gallons and gallons of water, right? There is a natural thirst that gets quenched in water. There is a deeper thirst that water doesn't touch that the passage in Isaiah that Jesus echoes here says, come to him to have that deeper void filled. Come to him for your sins to be forgiven. Come to him for hope to be restored. Come to him for a peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus says, come to me. As you come to me, you receive the spirit. And he is a a thirst quencher on a whole other level than any glass of water could ever be. This is all to God's glory. He is the source of everything we need. To his glory, we come to him. Not just the blessings, but we come to him and all of our needs are met. Moving on, verse 3 to 5. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him, David, a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. So a promise given to Israel of something that he ties back into David. We just finished 
uh, our Freedom Gospel series, and we talked about that. It came up often in the book of Galatians, how God is a God who keeps his promises. He's a faithful God. And we talked about how Paul and Galatians would tie it all the way back to Abraham, that God was faithful to Abraham. God made a promise to a childless son and said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Like, you won't even be able to count how many kids and grandkids and great-grandkids you have. They'll be like the stars in the sky. They'll be like the sea on the sand shore. There is the sand on the seashore, sorry. There will be just, you won't be able to track it. It's going to be, your family line is going to be so humongous. That's a big promise to a guy who never had a kid yet at that point that the promise given to him was actually really on paper seemingly an impossible promise. And God sometimes in Scripture gives seemingly impossible promises, and yet he is the God of the impossible who always keeps those promises. He is the God who answers and makes these things happen. And so way back to Abraham, he promised a great blessing. Your line will be the line that produces endless offspring. It's the beginning of the formal Jewish race, starting with Abraham. In Isaiah, it ties it next into David. God made a promise to David that David would be part of that. David was a descendant of Abraham. And through David's line, that there would be great blessing. And for Isaiah to to forecast this long before it happened, that the promise that began with Abraham, that was passed on through many generations, confirmed again in King David, passed on again through many generations, that through Israel, through God's people that are, are called Israel, the one was going to come who was going to bring salvation to the world. That, that Abraham and, and David and, and all of that line never heard of Canada. And yet Canadians have come to Christ through them, through what God did through that line. When, when Isaiah says nations are going to come to you, Israel, that you've never known before. Nations are going to come that you've never heard about. There's nations that are going to come because God is going to bless Israel so greatly. We are a part of that. That we have come to Jesus because of the promise he made to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to everybody along the way. That God is the God who keeps his promises. This is to God's glory. He is the promise maker and he is the promise keeper. What he says, he does. What he says, he does. He is a faithful God. And so the promise given through Isaiah that, that the nations are going to come. The nations will come because of what God is going to do through Israel. We celebrated Canada Day yesterday, and I I love Canada. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Uh, We're part of a much bigger, more important kingdom than Canada. We have been invited into the family of God as he fulfills his promise to Abraham, to David, to Israel, ultimately trickling down even to us where we are invited in. Verse 6 and 7, so seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. There is an invitation given to come, but there is also uh, a change called for as well. It's come, but it's not just come. It's seek him, call on him, 
Forsake the wicked ways. Forsake the unrighteous thoughts. Turn to the Lord. Turn away. And, and we talked a lot in that last series about repentance. And, and you've heard me speak on repentance a lot. In its most simple word, the biblical idea of repentance is turn. It's turn away from your behavior. And we just jumped a whole bunch. There we go. Turn away from the bad stuff. Turn away from the bad path you're on. Sin leads us in a bad direction. We do bad things, it takes us to a bad place. We reap bad consequences. Sin goes in the wrong direction for lots of reasons. One of the things is it pulls us away from the Lord. We're not ever removed from him, but it pulls us away from him. And most of us can probably give some testimony to that when we're in a sinful part of our lives or or where we've done something bad, we feel distant from him, right? You you feel like Adam and Eve, I don't want to draw near to the Lord. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a part of that. I I feel the shame of my sin. I feel my guilt. I want to pull away from him. His promise is he never leaves us or forsakes us, but it feels that way. It feels like there's a distance. It feels like there's a gap there. Repentance is acknowledging that, that I don't want to feel far from the Lord. I don't want to go down the wrong track. I don't want to head in the wrong direction. I don't want to be engaged in my sin, which ultimately takes me to a bad place where I reap bad fruit, where I reap bad consequences. And so the call of repentance is turn from that. Get off the track that you're on. Whatever road you're going down, that's where you're going to end up. So turn away from that. Seek the Lord. Call upon his name. Forsake the bad stuff and turn to him. Land back in a better place as you draw close to him again. Verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, Again, that's a verse that you're probably familiar with if you've been around church for a while. And just, I love the reminders of scripture where God says, by the way, I'm God and you're not. And he says that kind of a lot in the Bible. And I think we just need that reminder over and over and over again. The nature of Adam and Eve's sin was they were trying to be God, right? We, we want to take control of our own lives. We want to be God. And we've been following in their pattern ever since. That we want to be in control. That we want to have all the answers. That we want to have everything all figured out. That we want to do what we want to do. And God uses this picture that just like heaven's up here and earth is down here, I'm up here and you're down here. Right? If you've ever been in an experience where you've been in, in an airplane or, or even, you know, gone up a mountain or something, you know that the higher you are, the better your view is. Right? You have a better sense of what's around you the higher that you go. If you're at the point, Peely, and you're at the bottom of the tower, you're not as aware of what's all around you as when you're at the top of the tower. Right? Your view is better and clearer. You have better knowledge and more information the higher that you are. And so God uses that as a bit of a word picture. You know how high the heavens are above the earth? That's my ways and my thoughts compared to yours. I'm God and you're not. I have more information. I have a better view. I'm God. And so that's tied into the previous piece about sin and repentance, right? That's ultimately what it's about. But it applies to, to, I think, just about anything. Just the beautiful, gentle, and yet firm reminder that we remember our place in the order of things. And that can be frustrating at times for sure. Sometimes I think my ways are the right ways. Sometimes I'm pretty positive my thoughts are the right thoughts. 
but to remind ourselves that God has a, a view, he has an agenda, he has a kingdom that I don't fully understand all the time. And in that childlike trust to be able to say, that's okay, I don't have to understand it because I trust you. I trust that your ways are higher than my ways. I trust that your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We have story after story after story in scripture of things that on paper maybe don't seem to make a lot of sense. God says to Abraham, take your son up the mountain and sacrifice him. You know, the son you've been waiting for, the son that you thought was the fulfillment of the promise, we're going to end that seemingly right now. God who pulls Israel out of the promised land, miraculously brings them out, Scripture says, with signs and wonders, with his mighty right arm. He brings them out of Israel, or out of Egypt, to lead them to the promised land, and they find themselves face to face with a, a huge body of water and an army of their enemy at their back. God, why did you bring us out here just to bring us here, just to, to let us die here at the edge of the water? God, who says to Israel as they enter the promised land, there's a major city, Jericho, there. In order to defeat it, just go walk around it a bunch of times. Trust me. Go for a walk. God, who when Goliath came and defied the armies of Israel, said, send the shepherd boy out. You know, the one who's never fought before, the one who doesn't know anything about warfare, the one who's still a kid. Let's send him out to face the giant. And of course, most profoundly at the cross. Because what kind of God displays his power by letting himself be killed by his own creation? What kind of God displays his power in that way. These are just a few, but there are lots of stories in scripture that on paper don't make a lot of sense when God says, go and do this. And yet God knows the end of each of these stories, even if the people didn't, right? God knew that it was going to end happily for Abraham and Isaac. God knew that it was nothing for him to part the ocean and let the people walk through it. God knew that he was going to be the ones who brought the wall of Jericho down. God knew that all it was going to take was a stone to take down Goliath. God knew that as Jesus laid his life down, an empty tomb was the end of the story. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. He has the perspective that we don't always have. Our job is to trust in those moments when it doesn't make sense. I certainly have multiple times in my life, and you probably do as well, where you're sitting there going, God, what are you doing right now? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why did you call me to do that? Why did you call me to take that step? It didn't always make sense on paper. And we say things like the Lord works in mysterious ways. And of course, he does. The ways he works doesn't always make sense to our earthly mind in the moment. I find, in retrospect, in my own life, I go, oh, that's why you told me to do that. That's why I had to take that step. That didn't make any sense at the time. Now it makes sense. It doesn't always make sense in the moment. But can we trust him in faith when we're in that moment in between? where we, we are taking a step of faith, we haven't seen the fulfillment yet, can we trust him in that middle part? Can we trust him in that moment? Paul would put it this way, talking about the cross, the cross that didn't make a lot of sense on paper. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12, for, oh, sorry, we're jumping all over here. 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 5. He said, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That the cross doesn't make a lot of sense. The two great groups of people that Paul was engaging with, the Jewish people and the Greeks, the Gentile people, that the Jewish people wanted a sign. They liked power. They wanted the story. They want to see the Red Sea parting. They want to see the manna from heaven. That's part of their story. They want to see God do these great glorious things. The Greeks didn't have that same story, but they valued logic. They valued wisdom. They valued philosophy. They wanted everything to make sense intellectually and logically. So for Jews who are demanding this great glorious sign, and for Greeks who wanted everything to fit perfectly logically and wise, Paul says, may we present a dead God on a cross. It doesn't look like power. It doesn't look like wisdom. And so he says it's a stumbling block to people for that exact reason, is that it doesn't look like a lot of power. It doesn't look like a lot of wisdom. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's foolishness to the Gentiles. But for those who know Jesus, for those who have encountered his grace, we know that Jesus is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. That it is the greatest demonstration of God's power because the cross wasn't the end. The resurrection would be that great sign. And that even though, yeah, maybe logically in the moment, a dead God doesn't make a lot of sense, but when resurrection's involved, all of a sudden it's very wise and it all makes sense. That there is a revelation of God that comes, and it doesn't always come when we want it to come. There, there is understanding that isn't always there readily, right away. And yet we trust that he knows what he's doing. We trust that he's going to keep his promise. We trust that even if it looks like weakness, even if it looks like foolishness, God knows what he's doing because he's actually not foolish. He's actually not weak. And in all things, he is working for good. In all things, he is working for his glory. So not everything's going to fit into it perfectly. And we have to be able to trust that. We don't always know the answer to every question, but we know the God who does. Right? That's what trust looks like. It's okay. It's okay. We don't need to know the answer to every question because we know the God who does. And that doesn't mean like a child, we don't say why, and that doesn't mean we don't seek more. We don't want to fall into kind of a, a fatalistic, well, if we don't know, then why bother trying? We don't want that at all. We are seeking, we are praying, we are pressing after, and we are trusting. We're trusting that he knows what he's doing. This is to God's glory as well. He is the one with all the answers. He is the one with all the perspective. He is the one that is over all things, and he does not worry. He is incapable of it, and he is the one that we have put our trust in. Verse 10 and 11, you might be familiar with these words as well. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it is my word that goes out from my mouth, God says. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. How good is that? The rain comes down, it has a job to do, right? It, it comes down and it, it waters the crops and it takes care of everything. It refills the lakes and gives us water to drink. Water comes down with a purpose. Interestingly, long before science caught up to the idea, scripture was already there that there's an evaporation that happens, right? It's going to return up to the clouds in some way. So God knew that even as science was going to take a while to figure that out. So the rain comes down, it has a purpose. It gets sucked up in evaporation. It becomes clouds again. And you remember that cycle from like grade four, 
Some of you are way too old to remember that, but that's the science of it. Scripture knew it already. So the rain comes down and fulfills its purpose. God says, when I speak, when my word comes, it fulfills my purpose. The word will do what God wants it to do. It doesn't necessarily say it will do it fast. It doesn't necessarily say it will do it the way we want it to. But when God purposes something, he will accomplish what he wants to do. That there's a sowing that happens and there's a reaping that happens. And when you sow seed into the ground, the reaping is not always quick, right? There's a time that passes. The seed has to go in, it has to take root, it has to grow, it ultimately has to become fruitful, and then it can be harvested. There's often a waiting. In between the promise and the fulfillment, there's a waiting. But God says, when I speak something, when I determine something, when I decide something, it will happen. It's going to happen because God is the God who keeps his promises. And again, back to that childlike trust. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 3, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. There is something about that trust that is, is vital to our salvation because for little kids who are trusting in their parents, that's the picture where we say, I trust that my parents will provide for me. I trust that there's going to be food on the table. I trust that they'll be protecting me. I trust that that's a safe place. And that's our, our walk with him, that we trust that he is providing the salvation for us. He is providing everything we need. He is providing the food on our table. He's providing the spiritual food through his word. He is going to provide for us everything we need. There's trust there. We've taken that word faith and we've made it an intellectual word uh, that almost means certainty, right? Your faith means you're certain. You're intellectually certain about things. And obviously there's an element of our faith that engages with truth that is intellectual. We do have to wrestle through that. But biblically, that word faith isn't about intellectual certainty. It's about trust. It's I trust you. I don't have everything all figured out. I don't have an answer to every tough, tough question. I'm seeking more, but I don't have it all figured out. But I trust you, Father. I trust in your goodness. This is to God's glory. He is the one accomplishing his purposes, and we trust him in that. We trust him in that as we rest in him. Last couple of verses of our passage, 12 and 13. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And so this is almost certainly a picture ultimately pointing towards heaven, right? When, when we are in eternity with him. Eternity with him, there will be no more weeds. There will be no more pain. Uh, it will all be glorious in him. We took some time a couple years ago to walk through the book of revelation at the end of the book of revelation it talks about heaven coming down to earth heaven and earth being the same being joined together not a, not that heaven is a place you go to one day but heaven and earth will be one they will be the same as god makes everything new come on up worship team so there's this picture of you know for god's people for israel certainly the promises given to them for those of us who have been invited into the family that a time comes where where joy is complete a time comes where the the thorn bushes are gone a time comes where because of jesus everything has been made new and we are invited into that with him it is all pointing to god's ultimate purpose to be fulfilled in jesus in the meantime we are in the in-between time 
right? Not everything is beautiful all the time. Not everything is perfect. There is pain. There is struggle. Those things still exist. We are in the in-between time between the promise and the fulfillment. And while we are in the in-between time between the promise and the fulfillment, can we rest there peacefully because we trust who God is? We trust in his goodness. We trust in his faithfulness. We say, yes, he made a promise to David. He made a promise to Abraham. We've seen those promises fulfilled. As we look at our own lives, prayers that have been answered, we've seen promises fulfilled. As we think about what God has done in our lives and in the life of our church and in the life of of people around us, we have seen the promises of God fulfilled over and over and over. Can we rest there in trust? Again, not just giving up and saying, well, I don't know, his ways are higher and I'll never figure it out, so why bother? No, no, not that at all. It's okay for kids to say, why? It's okay to want to know more, and and we should be seeking to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're seeking after more. And if it doesn't always make sense, and and if we're we're waiting and we're saying, Lord, when am I going to see that prayer answered? When am I going to see the scripture fulfilled? When am I going to see the promise come to pass? Can we trust there in a healthy, childlike way? saying, Father, I trust your faithfulness. I trust your goodness. You've been faithful before. You will be faithful again. I love the song we sing here, uh, Same God, right? The God who was good to Abraham, good to David, good to Moses, good to all of the great heroes of the faith. He hasn't stopped being good along the way. He hasn't stopped being faithful. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And can we rest there peacefully? Even as we seek him for more, can we trust there? This is to the Lord's glory. Psalm 115 verse 1 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. To your name be the glory. And God glorifies himself in our midst. He glorifies himself by keeping his promises. He glorifies himself by bringing his word to pass. He glorifies himself by drawing us to himself. He glorifies himself in many, many, many ways. And we who are his people are happy to seek after him, to look after him, to be faithful to turn to him. And if things don't make sense, if we're we're not sure, if we're waiting, if we're struggling, we say, I trust in the faithfulness of God. I trust in his goodness. His goodness and his faithfulness have not changed. So we want to worship him in that spirit today in in thanking him for his faithfulness, for his goodness. Would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to close and worship, and then we'll pray together at the end.